Welcome to the Caris Christian Center podcast. You guys are here for a great night. I'm going to be concluding my series called Pick Up the Mantle. Um, this has been a fun series for me. Um, I, I really believe um, it kind of came from a, a word that the Lord gave me a few weeks ago on a Sunday morning here when I was up here um, as part of the worship team. But I felt God tell me, um, just ask this question, who is going to pick up my mantle? And he gave me this picture. He said, when Elijah was caught up into heaven, Elisha picked up that mantle and struck the water saying, where is the Lord God of Elijah? You know, Jesus, he ascended into heaven and he left his mantle for his followers. And he's asking, who is going to pick up my mantle? The anointing of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Who is going to take that mantle and strike the waters? Who is going to impact the nations? The waters always represent the nations. Who's going to strike the nation saying, where is the Lord our God? We need to pick up that mantle, walk in his authority, walk in his power. Now is the time for the church to rise up. The church is still here, right? If we're here, we're here for a reason. There's a purpose for us being here. We need to pick up that mantle. Amen? We need to pick up his mantle. You know, that mantle, it's a symbol of authority, a symbol of purpose, and a symbol of destiny. We talked the first week about Elijah and Elisha, how, um, from Elisha's perspective, how he ended up picking up that mantle. It wasn't an instantaneous thing. He was a servant for a number of years. He was faithful. He was giving, and he stepped out in faith. You know, he picked up that mantle, but for years and years, that spirit of faith was coming upon him. Now we need to be connected to a good Faith-filled church. Faith is contagious. Faith is very contagious. It's awesome. I'm glad I'm a part of a faith-filled church. Amen. We are part of a faith-filled church. Last week I talked about Moses and Joshua. I kind of talked about picking up the mantle, but um, from Moses' perspective, how he gave that mantle to Joshua, how Joshua was under him for 40 years, and Moses, more than anything, you know, all these great miracles that he had seen, all the things he accomplished, more than anything, he wanted to cross over the Jordan into the promised land, but God said, you're not going to be the one to do it. But Joshua is going to be the one to do it, and you need to command him, encourage him, strengthen him. You need to do all these things to help lead him and raise him up as, a, as that next generational leader. Tonight, I'm going to be talking about Jesus and the church. I've been itching to get to this message because this applies to all of us. How many are you a part of the church, the body of Christ? If you are a believer, if you believe on Jesus, if you believe that he is Lord, this message is for you. But the church is more important today than ever before. Before Jesus comes again, we get, it's more and more important for the church to be here, shining bright like jewels in his victor's crown. We are part of his kingdom. You know, his king, you know, earthly kingdoms go up and down, up and down, up and down, can be robbed, stolen, whatever, voted in, voted out, but his kingdom, there is no end to it. And it doesn't decrease, it only increases. Now, we are a part of his heavenly kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus on this earth, a part of that spiritual kingdom, a part of that heavenly kingdom, and I'm excited to be a part of that kingdom because Jesus is king and he is not going to be defeated. He is victorious. We can praise him. We can worship him. And man, I love being a part of that kingdom because you can't lose if you're part of that kingdom. So if you came here crying, 
You know, I, I saw some people crying all types of tears today, you know. I have uh, some very liberal friends on Facebook. I have some very, you know, conservative friends on Facebook. I saw the liberals posting tears of joy. I saw the, the conservatives posting tears of sorrow. I, I am so happy to be part of his kingdom today. Man, it is awesome. We are victorious. And, um, man, to, to pick up this mantle, to pick up that authority, that power, um, just walk in his purpose for us, uh, accomplish what he has us, what he wants us to do, man, it takes two things to do that here on the earth today. There are two things you have to do to pick up that mantle. First of all, you have to have a revelation of who Jesus is. And you have to have a revelation of who he is. He is not just a normal king. He didn't come here just to set up an earthly kingdom. Some people had a problem with that. They thought that um, the Messiah would just set up an earthly kingdom. He would just be the son of man, the son of David. You know, I I just stumbled across um, uh, a teaching by by a rabbi, and he was saying that, um, you know, the Jewish people, their issue isn't with um, Jesus, you know, people proclaiming him to be the Messiah, you know, a son of David. Their issue with him is that um, believers today believe him to be the son of God. And Jesus proclaimed himself to be the Son of God. And even from Scripture, he pointed out that the Messiah would not just be the Son of Man, not just the Son of David, but that the Messiah would be the Son of God. You know, Jesus asked Peter, you know, who, who do men say that I am? Let's, let's read that. Let's read that real quick. Matthew 16. This is really powerful. I'm talking about why, why his kingdom is so important. It's not an earthly kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom because he's not just the son of David. He is the son of God. You know, as the son of David, he, he had the right, he had the authority, he had that mantle to, to set up an earthly kingdom. He could walk into Jerusalem and set up a throne in Jerusalem, set up an earthly kingdom, but he knew that he wasn't just the son of David. He was the son of God, and as a son of God, he could set up an, a, a spiritual, a heavenly kingdom and set up a throne in that kingdom. Jesus is seated on that throne in heavenly places. If you believe on him, you're a part of that kingdom. You're seated with him in, in heavenly places. You are seated in the throne room in heavenly places. And you, you are right there in, in the most powerful place in the universe right now, spiritually speaking. Let's look at Matthew 16. This is really powerful. Matthew 16. Starting in verse 13, Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So the Son of Man is a term given specifically for the Messiah. He's saying, I am the son of man. I am the son of man, but who do men say that I am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. So he's saying, you are the anointed one. You are the Messiah. But not only that, you are, what does he say? You are the son of the living God. He had a revelation that Jesus was the only begotten son of God. He had that revelation that you are the son of God. Jesus, you are Lord. You are Lord, all caps. Peter had that revelation. How awesome is that? And Jesus brought out these scriptures. 
You know, if you, if you have that revelation, you need to have that revelation in order to pick up that mantle. Jesus, Jesus told Peter, you have that revelation. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, this rock, this revelation, that I am the Son of the living God, I am Lord, all caps, Jesus Lord, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Man, to pick up that mantle, you have to have a revelation that Jesus is the Christ. He is the son of man, the son of David, but he is also the son of God. As the son of David, he he has the authority, the power to set up an earthly kingdom over Israel set up an earthly nation, but as the son of God, he has the authority, the power to, to pick up that mantle and set up a heavenly kingdom. And he set that kingdom up and that kingdom is continuing to this day. And I'm, I'm so glad I'm a part of that heavenly kingdom. Jesus is not just the son of David. He is the son of the living God. He has that authority to to establish his kingdom, to sit on that throne. And we are seated with him in heavenly places. That's so awesome. That is so powerful. I love that. And Jesus knew that. He knew that the Messiah wasn't just the son of man, not just the son of David, but the son of God. He actually brought this out um, um, in John 3. Go to John 3 really quick. This is really good teaching. I haven't heard too many people um, bring this out, but this is really awesome teaching. John 3, verse 13 through 18, Jesus said this, No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man, who is in heaven. So he's saying, I, I am the Son of Man. I came down from heaven. I'm the Messiah. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Because Jesus is the Son of God, he can give eternal life. Only God can give eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. He is the son of God. And I'll skip really quick now to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. Starting in verse 41. And again, the, the, the religious people of the time, the Jewish leaders of the time, they weren't so concerned about Jesus saying that he's the Messiah. They were more concerned about him claiming to be the son of God and, and saying that the Messiah is the son of God. That's where they took issue. That's where they took issue. Before Abraham was, I am. He was pointing out his eternal existence, his lordship. That's what they had issue with. So here in Matthew 22, verse 41 and when the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? So they said to him, The son of David. So the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, he is the son of David. He'll set up an earthly kingdom. 
But he brings us something about David, a, a prophecy from David. I love, man, I love reading the Psalms right now. Man, I love reading prophecies from Scripture. Someone, someone came up to me Saturday at the men's meeting, you know, just struggling and saying, you know, is there a hierarchy of prophecies? They came up to me and Ashley Terry, is there a hierarchy of prophets? I said, yes, there is. This is the hierarchy right here. Amen. Amen. So Jesus, he, he pointed out this hierarchy of prophets to them. He said to them, how, how then does David in the spirit call him Lord? So he's saying, prophet David. How many of you love worship? Man, that was so awesome. That worship was prophetic. How does David in the spirit call him Lord? Saying, and that word Lord there, you know, it's, it's lowercase. That means Lord, like ad, Adoni. It means my master my ruler, my boss. So how does David in the spirit, if, he's, if, you know, if the Messiah is the son of David, why would David call him master? Why would he call him Adoni? You know, so verse 44, he's quoting from Psalm 110, verse one. The Lord, you notice that's all caps. The Lord, all caps. Let's talk about Yahweh, Jehovah. Why, the Lord said to my Lord, to, to my, and they, Jesus knew that they knew this, the Jews of that time knew this to be a prophecy of the Messiah. Why would the Lord Jehovah say to my Lord, to the Messiah, who is my master, my Adoni, why would he say, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? If David then calls him Lord or master, how is he his son? It's because this Adoni that David is talking about, this Messiah he's talking about, yes, he is his son, but he is also the son of God. And because he's the son of God, he can say, you are my master. You know, I, I'm, I'm the father of my house. I'm the master of my house. I'm the boss of my, you know, my son, Fisher, I don't call him master. My dad, Pastor Lawson, doesn't call me master. He doesn't call me ruler. He doesn't call me Lord. Why? Because I'm his son. David, you know, this, this son of his, he wouldn't call Solomon master. He wouldn't call Rehoboam master. He wouldn't call Josiah master. But, but this particular son of his, who would be the Messiah, he knew that he was Adoni. He knew that he was above him. He was above, his kingdom would be above his own kingdom. Isn't that awesome? So Jesus, he is Lord of all. He is the son of man, the son of David, but he is the only begotten son of the living God. And his kingdom, it's not just an earthly kingdom. Man, he's going to come back and establish a pretty awesome earthly kingdom. If you want to read some awesome prophecies about it, man, keep reading Psalm 110. You come back with the head of my enemy. Talk about some prophecies here. Man, I, I read Psalm 110. I got so fired up. I, man, let's read Psalm 110 really quick. Let's read the hierarchy of, of prophets tonight about, about the lordship of Jesus Christ, the lordship of the Messiah. Psalm 110. The Lord, and Lord all caps, that's Jehovah, Yahweh, 
The Lord said to my Lord, to Adoni, my master. Again, this just isn't the son of David. This is master. I wouldn't just call my son Fisher master. Right? He, he asks, who's the boss around here? I'm the boss. Your mom's the boss. You are not the boss. If, if you're a parent and you let your kids be the boss, you need, you need some parenting help. Amen. I see some parents nodding their heads up and down. They agree with me. It's called rebellion. <laughs> the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power, in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning. You have the dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. I love that. So Jesus, he is king. And because he is a heavenly king, he has a heavenly kingdom, he can't, he can't be defeated. And not only that, you know, he, he's the son of David, he's also the son of God. He has an earthly, heavenly kingdom. You know, he's also a priest. And he's not just a priest, uh, ha, uh, an earthly priest, right? Who, who are the earthly priests in Scripture? What order is that? It's named after me. The order of Aaron, the Levitical priesthood. He's not from that order. You know, that order, you know, priests would, would serve temporary terms. He's a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. He has a heavenly priesthood. Just like he has a heavenly kingdom, he has a heavenly, a spiritual priesthood that's eternal. He is always the high priest, and there is no priest like priest Jesus. He is the chief shepherd. He gives the best offering, the offering of himself. You know, the the order of of Aaron and Levi, they, they would have to do continual offerings to bring temporary peace. Temporary purification, partial purification, but they have to do continual sacrifices. Jesus, as the high priest, after the order of Melchizedek, he just gave one sacrifice. And that one, it's not, it's an eternal sacrifice that brings continual purification, continual sanctification. We've been saved and we're continually being saved. Does that make sense? You don't have to, Jesus doesn't have to come down and and die on the cross every time you screw up. Thank God. Some of you will be calling down Jesus quite a bit on a daily, if not an hourly basis. He's a, I'm glad he's a, a, a priest after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He shall execute kings in the days of his wrath. I would not want to be a king on the wrong side of that battle right there. Earthly kings will be held to a higher standard. They will be judged. The Lord is at your right hand. He shall execute kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the nations. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall execute the heads of many countries. He shall drink of the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he shall lift up the head. And I love that song, Defender. You come back with the head of my enemy. It's a prophetic song. 
That's awesome. Jesus is king forever, and I'm glad I'm a part of his kingdom. He's a just king. He is merciful. His mercy is so much greater than judgment, but I want to accept his mercy. I, I know it's one of our, one of our past, pastor friends here in town, Pastor Dan Funkhauser. He's been doing a series called, Is Hell Really Hot? Like a fire, that sounds kind of hot to me. I want to accept his mercy. And as the church, we better be pointing people to his kingdom. There there is a purpose for us being here, and we need to pick up that mantle. We need the authority of Jesus. We need to to be in his purpose, to be walking in, in the direction he gives us. We need to be walking with destiny today more than ever. So number one, to pick up that mantle. That authority, that purpose, that destiny. We need a full revelation of who Jesus is. He is the king of kings. He is the son of the living God. He is the Christ. He died for us. He rose again. He ascended into heaven. But not only that, he, just like Elijah, he left something here for his church. Let's read about about the ascension. Acts 1. Let's dive in here. This is going to be good. You guys came here for a Holy Spirit night. So Acts 1, verse 4. It says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. He's saying, wait for that mantle. Don't go to try to cross that Jordan. Wait for that mantle. Wait for the the promise. I like it. It's just not a promise. It's the promise, capitalized promise. Of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Like, we know, Jesus, you have a heavenly kingdom. We got that. Man, people, people can be so carnally minded sometimes. Right now, there's a lot of believers who are very carnally minded, just looking at earthly kingdoms, putting all their focus, all their attention on earthly kingdoms. Verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they stood steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. I love what they say. These two men in white apparel, these two angels, I love what they say to the church here, to the believers here, to the, the followers, just staring out into space. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. They said, stop spacing out. Stop just staring out into space. 
You are here for a reason. You need to, you need to, to pick up that mantle. God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. He has a destiny for his church. Now is not the time to be spacing out. You space out too long, you might have two guys in white show up saying, get with it. We have work to do. The church has work to do. And we need to pick up that mantle of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, do not leave home without it. Amen. So my first point, that was a long introduction. My first point in pick up the mantle of the Holy Spirit is this. Jesus wore the mantle of the Holy Spirit. He was clothed with that authority, clothed, clothed with that purpose, that power, that destiny. Jesus wore the mantle of the Holy Spirit. Who here wants to be like Jesus? Now, his church, we are his hands, we are his feet. We better wear what Jesus wore. Acts 10, 38 says it this way. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Man, I love that this church is a Holy Spirit church. If Jesus wore the Holy Spirit, if he wore that mantle, the church needs to wear it today. And when you wear it, you're going to have power. You're going to be able to do a lot of good. You're going to be able to heal those who are oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Man, the Holy Spirit, man, just defeats the devil every time. After service on Sunday, a gentleman came up for prayer for me and my wife, and and he had been struggling, dealing with a lot of grief. And um, we we prayed over him. We prayed, man, the, the prayer of faith and a Holy Spirit kind of prayer. He left. Later on that day, he texted us back and he said, I, I haven't been able to eat for a while. It's, it's felt like just coals were in my stomach. But when I left church, I, I felt that lift off me and I ate a whole burger. Man, if you are being uh, oppressed by the devil, man, the, the Holy Spirit will, will just smack that devil right in the face. Amen. And Jesus, he wore that mantle. Luke 4, 18 and 19. Jesus said it himself. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. To fulfill his purpose, to fulfill his destiny, his calling, he had to be anointed. He had to wear that mantle of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus prayed this before he left. He prayed this over his disciples. You know, God, as you sent me into this world, so I send them. We have a similar purpose that Jesus had. If Jesus was sent to preach the gospel, do you think we're sent to preach the gospel? If Jesus was sent to heal the brokenhearted, do you think we are to heal the brokenhearted? If Jesus was sent to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, do you think we are sent to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord? We are ministers of that message of reconciliation. God is merciful. His love endures forever. Turn to his mercy. Don't trust in yourself. Trust in Jesus. And I, I love Jesus, man. That Man, if you, if you want to receive the promise from Jesus, I just love it that he calls it the promise. 
The Holy Spirit is essential to the church. It's not simply just a promise, but the promise. And to who, to who is, is this promise for? That first thing, to all have a revelation of who Jesus is. To everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said it this way in John 7, 38. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. John 14, 16 through 18, he said it this way. He will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And again in John 16, verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. And this one always baffles me. If most of us could say, you know, if if I gave out an announcement tonight, hey, Jesus is going to be here in the flesh at Caris Christian Center, January 20th, 2021, in the flesh, and we'd have a lot of people show up. But you're saying, it's actually better that I not be here in the flesh. It's better that you have the Holy Spirit. That's a pretty radical statement. I'm excited I'm going to see Jesus face to face someday. But Jesus said, hey, before I come to you, there's something better. There's something better. And that that is the Holy Spirit. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus wore that mantle. And because he wore that mantle, because he was anointed with the Holy Spirit, he can then give it. To whom he chooses. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, who baptizes you in the Holy Spirit? John the Baptist said, you know, this, this, this man, he's going to baptize you with fire. It's a baptism of, of fire. Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit because he was anointed with the Holy Spirit because he wore that mantle. We can pick it up from him. And this is something cool about that mantle that he left 2,000 years ago. It didn't disintegrate. Some people are obsessed with the the shroud of Turin, you know, the the, the cloth that was on Jesus' face when he was buried, you know. Does it still exist or was his face, you know, emblazoned in it and these kind of things. There's another mantle that I think is more exciting to pick up than that shroud. Because I know it exists. And I know it doesn't disintegrate. Some people through church history have said it's gone away, but it hasn't. It hasn't. It hasn't. And we're still supposed to be picking it up. And I know it hasn't because the Holy Spirit is at, is at work today. The Holy Spirit is at work today. What, does, what is the Holy Spirit doing today? What is he at work doing? He's convicting the world right now. When people are born again, they're baptized into the body of Christ. Who baptizes them into the body of Christ? Who baptizes them into the church? Gives them that revelation 
It's not flesh and blood. Pastor Aaron can't baptize someone. When we witness, when we witness to someone, we're not baptizing them into the body of Christ. It has to be the Holy Spirit working on their heart. You can lead them, but the Holy Spirit has to be present. The Holy Spirit is present in the, in the world today. He's convicting people. John 16, 8 through 11. If you guys are taking notes, you can write that one down. The Holy Spirit is convicting people. When he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The Holy Spirit is, a, is at work today, bringing that work of salvation to pass. When I went to Rice University, there, there's a very famous professor there, Dr. James Tour. Very famous professor, um, very famous scientist. He's won you know, all the top prizes for science in, in the country, in the world. And he's a very strong believer. He grew up Jewish, and when he was in college, someone came and, and witnessed to him. One of these you know, hippie evangelist Christians from the Jesus movement came and witnessed to him. And said, you're, you're a sinner, and you need a savior. And he thought to himself, well, I'm not a sinner. I'm a good Jewish boy. But later that night, he was in his dorm room, and the Holy Spirit convicted him of his sin. He felt he was pierced at his heart, and he knew that he was a sinner, and knew that he needed a savior. And he said, I cried out to God to save me. And he said, I, I felt something come in the room. I felt something come in the room. And I, and, and I felt, I knew it was Jesus in that room. And I, I, I cried out to Jesus saying, save me, come into my heart. You are my Lord, I'm going to live for you. And he said, I've never stopped living for Jesus. You know, and he, he preaches Jesus, he brings in, and he's a shining light there at that university. Awesome man of God. And he was so excited, he told you know, his, his Jewish mother, I accepted Jesus. And she said, that's terrible. How could you do such a thing? She said, I've heard about Jesus. He, he mouthed off to those great Jewish leaders. He deserved to die. But years later, decades later, she decided to read the Gospels, read about Jesus herself. And the Holy Spirit worked in her heart, and she realized he didn't deserve to die. He willingly gave down his life as a sacrifice for us. And she accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is at, is at work in the world today, convicting people. And share Jesus with people. Share, where, pray with people. And the Holy Spirit, he, he is at work, and, and the pressure is not on you. And when you witness, it's not, it's not just about you and how good you are at witnessing to people. You might think, well, I'm not an evangelist. Well, the Holy Spirit is. That's awesome. Someone should write that down. I've heard a lot of messages on evangelism and like how you're supposed to evangelize, but I haven't heard that one. Hey, the Holy Spirit's there evangelizing. That's really good. That encourages me. The Holy Spirit is at work today. He, he's at work in, in the heart of believers today. The Holy Spirit is constantly revealing our true identity to us. You know, he convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. What does the Holy Spirit do for the believer? 
Romans 8, 16, and 17. What the Holy Spirit is at work in the hearts of believers. Romans 8, 16, and 17 says it this way. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. Bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together. The Holy Spirit is is at work in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is producing fruit in the believer's life. Right? What What are the fruits of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such, there is no law. Keep letting the Holy Spirit do a work in you. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses. Man, when I was a kid, my dad always prayed this over me and my brothers. Every night, God, make them a good witness for you. Today, I am a witness for Jesus. My middle brother, Andrew, he is a witness for Jesus. My youngest brother, Peter, he is a witness for Jesus. What do I pray over Fisher every night? What do I pray over Ada? God, make them a good witness for you. The Holy Spirit makes us good witnesses. This church is going to keep growing and growing and growing. Why? Because we're tapped into one of the greatest church growth programs. The Holy Spirit. I, I, love, I love on the day of Pentecost. And Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, read, read Acts 2, man. That's, that's one of the greatest sermons ever. Ever. So awesome. He was full of the Spirit. He preached, he preached the Lordship of Jesus. He preached Jesus died, was buried, rose again for your sins. You're all sinners in need of a Savior. He died at your lawless hands. Repent and be baptized and you shall receive this same Holy Spirit that we've been baptized in. He preached it all. Bam, right there in one message. It's awesome. And the Holy Spirit is at work today. The Holy Spirit is giving gifts to the church. What are these gifts? The charismatic gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. Revelation gifts, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits, power gifts, the gifts of faith, working of miracles, gifts of healings, inspirational gifts, prophecy, the gift of tongues, the interpretation of tongues. This is awesome. So what happens when you pick up that mantle, when you decide, I'm, I'm jumping in? I love leading people into being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Thanks to special gifting God has given me. But what happens if you guys haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit? You need to be. I'll just say that. I'm going to give you some, some great scripture. If you want to think about it, you can, but you, you, you can just take my word for it. You need to jump in. I want to talk about what happens when you pick up that mantle of the Holy Spirit, when, you, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, baptized by Jesus with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Man, it changes you. It gives you boldness. You're, you're, you're empowered to be a, gr- a great witness. This is a promise for all believers. I love what Peter said at the end of his first sermon, Acts 2, verse 38 and 39. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. So we see repentance unto salvation. We see water baptism here. 
Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises to you and to your children and to all that are afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. I love that verse. You see salvation, water baptism, and baptism in the Holy Ghost right there. So when you pick up that mantle, you have to be a believer first. And you pick up that mantle. That is a separate thing from salvation. There's a big percentage of the church that believes that it happens automatically at salvation. Your spirit is changed. Jesus Christ lives in you. But you still, you still need to receive that promise. Several instances in Acts, you see that it is a separate experience. Right? I had a friend several years ago stay with me. And, and um, a great believer, but a little bit different than me doctrinally. He, he, he was a Calvinist. He wanted to name his first son Calvin. I'm hoping he names his first son Peter. I talked to him about the Holy Ghost and how it's different. It's a separate experience from salvation. But he loved the Word of God. Man, if, if you, man, that, that's everything. When you, when you have someone who believes in the Word of God, you can take him to Scripture. So I took him to this one. Acts 8. Let's go to Acts 8. Acts 8, verse 5. Let's start here in verse 5. So here in Samaria... Some people got saved, but later on they got filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts 8, verse 5, it says, Then Philip came down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with, with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were pa paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Verse 12, it says, They believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. Both men and women were baptized. So people were saved, they were water baptized, and later on, they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Three separate baptisms, right? A baptism into salvation, a baptism in water, and a baptism in the Holy Ghost. So verse 14, now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. I love that. Peter did the work of an evangelist. Peter and John came as apostles, as pastors and said, hey, don't forget this. Right? I don't know why Philip didn't just lead him into it. Someday when I go to heaven, I have some questions I'm going to ask some of these guys. Hey, Philip, when you're in Samaria, why don't you teach about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Why don't you lead him in that? Why just, I, I don't know. I'm going to ask Philip that someday. You should all have a list of questions. There's going to be some Q&A up in heaven someday. Philip, why don't you... I love Philip. God told me the, the other day, I was, I was holding my baby daughter, Ada. And God just told me, Ada is going to be like one of Philip's daughters. She's going to be a little prophetess. Philip had four daughters who all prophesied. Amen. This is good stuff. 
Why do we need the baptism in the Holy Ghost? What happens when you pick it up? But what happens? Why do you need it? You need that power. It, it builds your faith. Jude 1, 20 and 21, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God. How many of you want to build up yourself in faith? It's like a no-brainer. Yes. If you want to build yourself in faith, hey, pray in tongues. The Holy Spirit teaches you. How many of you want to be taught? How many of you think that there's something you can learn still? You don't know at all. Maybe I can still be taught. The Holy Spirit teaches you. I want the Holy Spirit because he teaches me. John 14, 26, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. How many of you want strength? During moments of weakness, how many of you want strength? The Holy Spirit gives us strength. Romans 8, 26, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. How many of you would like direction? The Holy Spirit gives direction. The Holy Spirit in John 16, verse 13, he will show you things to come. He will take of what is mine and show them to you. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses. The Holy Spirit, man, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's a doorway into these other spiritual gifts. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, every time I've seen it in the book of Acts, every time, what happened? I saw, I saw a church that claims to be spirit-filled and they, they were praying for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and said, you're going to just fill this special indwelling and just left it at that. Now there's some, yeah, you can feel a, a, an indwelling perhaps. But every time I read in Acts when, when people are baptized in the Holy Spirit, every time, every time, every time, what happens? They pray in tongues. Acts 19, verse 6, and when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Man, we need to pray in tongues, sing in tongues, Worship in tongues. Don't be afraid of it. When, when, you, when, you, when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, I tell people like this. Maybe there will be a few people tonight who want to receive that. They've never received it. When you pray for it, if you're a believer, if you believe on the Lord Jesus, all you have to do is ask and receive. You can ha have an elder. You can have myself, my dad, some of our, our prayer team lay hands on you and pray for you as well. But when you, when you, if you're a believer and you pray and ask for that, that is placed in you. That river that flows out of your belly, that, that is placed in you. So what do you, what do, you do then? When I, take, when I take Fisher to the pool, when he sees that water, what does he do? He jumps in. When you receive that, when you ask for it, you need to jump in. You need to pray in tongues. You need to jump off the diving board. Just go for it. That river's in you. Pray in tongues. Man, and, and if, man, I, I love the Holy Spirit. He teaches us all things. The Holy Spirit, man, praying in tongues has helped me so many times. If I've felt stuck, needing help, and one, one of the Holy Spirit's nickname is, is helper. 
And the Holy Spirit will help you pray in tongues. It'll help you. I like what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5. I wish you all spoke with tongues. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. In verse 18. Man, if Paul spoke with tongues more than anyone, and he wrote about half of the New Testament, we should all speak in tongues some. Get some revelation. So this is my conclusion for you all tonight. Man, if you've already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, keep filling yourself up, keep jumping in, keep picking up that mantle. In Acts 4, the believers were filled again. They kept jumping in. Some of you got that river in you, but it's been been a little while since you took a jump. You can pray in tongues. You can, man, jump in. But if you haven't, all you got to do, just ask, believe, and receive. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Caris Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.charischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.